Welcome to the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast. Thomas Miller here along with Robert Glasscock, and we have a great listener question. Fasten your seatbelts. Hello, Robert and Thomas. I was just re-listening to the podcast on the moon position in a chart and what it can tell you about your past life and things that you're here to do. I think you mentioned in that episode that the ninth house can give you information about a past life. It's one of the two chart, one of the two houses rather. And so that made me think it must be the 12th house that would be the other house in regards to past life information. But also, if the ninth house is an indicator of past life, is it the same for a composite chart? Okay, so that's a great question. And Robert, let's break this apart. So first of all, she was saying that she heard that us talking about the ninth house being one of the two, and then she was guessing about the twelfth. Ring the bell, she got it right. Why don't you take us through where past lives come into the chart, first of all, because that's kind of part A of her question. All right. Past lives basically show up through two houses, and she was absolutely correct, the twelfth house and the ninth house. Uh, and I've explained why that is in some other, other podcasting. She also asked, though, about the moon's position regarding past life, which is very interesting because in a thumbnail way, the sun shows you your outer mission in this life, if you will. The moon shows your inner mission in this life. Now, you can look at your natal horoscope through two perspectives. You can take the 12th house and turn your natal chart to place the 12th house. Mentally, you do this. Turn it so to place the 12th house on the first cusp and then just read that chart like you would any other. Or you can take the ninth house in your natal chart, turn it to take the ascendant or first house position and read that chart. So the ninth house especially is the one that I, I use the most simply because it's related to the ascendant triad, the, the ascendant, the fifth, and the ninth house form a triad. And each triad in astrology has an angular, succeedant, and cadent house. So the angular house is the presence of whatever you're talking about. So here in, in an ascendant, anybody's ascendant, your first house is your present life. It becomes the symbol of your whole life. And the rising sign becomes your chart ruler and the planet that rules that and so on. Well, the ascendant triad has an angular succeedant and a cadent house. The cadent house leading up to the present life. The cadent houses are always the past in relationship to, to the angles. As the succeedant houses are always the future in relation to a, a given angle. So the ninth house becomes a summary of past life issues and particularly maybe one life that more or less directly connects with this one. So then you look to the ninth house and the twelfth house planet, a sign on the cusp. Is it a male or female sign? That will give you one indication of the gender. And then you look at the planetary ruler of that sign on the 9th or 12th. Is it a male or female planet, or is it a neutral planet, like Mercury? And that will give you another gender, so you're just keeping tabs of male and female. You look to any planets in the ninth house or the 12th house. Are they male or female planets? And what sign are those planets in? Are they in a female or male sign? So you add them up. 
and you can get an indication of whether the person was a male or female. So you just begin reading the rotated horoscope, if you do it mentally or physically, turn the chart, uh, reading it as the story of a past life. The moon, though, because it is the intermission of this. This is what you are meant to do emotionally in this life. The moon sign is your belief system about security, for example. Now, here's another indicator. Again, I use my own chart because I'm familiar with it. But I have the moon in Aries, and the moon is not in a, a the best position in Aries. Uh, and there are a lot of reasons why. But when you think that the moon symbolizes your belief systems about security, I have my moon in Aries in my third house. My security comes from being intellectually restless, always looking for some new piece of information to incorporate. I have my moon in a grand cross in my chart. It's in Aries. My sense of security, ironically, becomes change. It's the opposite of what everybody thinks of as security. And that's really true for me, Thomas. Uh, when I drive by suburban developments with a thousand homes in four styles, I cringe physically. Oh, my God, don't let me wind up in one of those. Because to me, that represents sacrificing all of my individuality to fit in. So that becomes my kind of... Now, on a primitive level, your moon is habits and it's unconscious. So the sign that the moon is in will tend to show on a negative side if you're uncaught. For instance, my moon in Aries tends to, by nature, uh, speak out impulsively to say things that I instantly or later wish maybe I had not said. But at the same token, if I follow my own mental interest, psychological interest, the moon in Aries in my third, and I do it through communication, third house again, I'll be okay. I'll be good. Because that's what I've done, in fact, with my life, is I've always been a writer of some kind, you know, whether it's astrology or television or whatever, so very much in the community. And then when it comes to karma, the moon in Aries, for example, can on, on the one level indicate a past life as a warrior, a crusader, somebody with a mission, possibly someone willing to use violence to achieve that mission, and so on. It depends on, again, the rest of the chart. In my chart, Mars rules that Aries moon, and Mars is in Libra, which is not necessarily a, a warrior. But that's basically the two lenses for past life influences. You can look through the 12th house. You can look through the ninth house. And also the moon. And then the planet is the moon. Yeah. Because you- it's unconscious and it's habits. It's habits. And believe me, it, it absolutely resonates in my life. You mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, as you say, the ninth and the 12th. Do you give a weight to one of the two? You, you said the ninth, but then how do you factor the 12th in? All right, there's a couple of different schools of thought on on this. Most astrologers, if they bother with this at all, uh, simply use the 12th house, and that's it. That's the previous life. Well, that's simply from rotating the chart one degree. So the cadent past house in relation to the first house is the 12th. 
And the future succeeding house from the first is the second house. But in these triads, this is a more esoteric understanding of astrology. The four angles, for example, are each their own triad. So the ascendant triad is the first, the fifth, and the ninth. The descendant triad is the seventh, the eleventh, and the third. So you have these different triads that are a different perspective. And to me, the ninth house really is the summary of, let's say, a theme of past lives. And if you have planets in the ninth house, the more planets you have there, the more indicator the indicator is that you have had several past lives or even many past lives, whereas the twelfth house lifetime may, may be a more specific uh, past life that relates to this life, just as the ninth house can be winnowed down to be also another specific. So you're getting two, at least two different lifetimes. And we all, frankly, have as many lifetimes as we want, as a, as the soul wants. When you get into probabilities and so on, uh, we're constantly creating probable realities, probable lifetimes for ourselves. And each of those go off on their own vectors. I mean, you read these things in something like The Nature of Personal Reality, the Seth books, for example. So I was not surprised, Thomas, when I did have the uh, the one and only past life regression I did have with Brian Jameson. And, and really the first question he asked me, um, aside from asking if I had a higher self and did the high, my higher self want to do this work, and my higher self said yes. And the first question he then asked was, how many lifetimes have you had? And I said, thousands. And later on, he told me, he said, I've never had anybody say that. I, I didn't think it was unusual at all. But he said, I've just never had anybody say thousands. I've had people say three, four. But for somebody to and and the minute he told me that, I thought, well, I, get, I have. I just, I thought I have. I've had a lot. We're I going, like it. We're going <laughs> to, uh, I've got, a, I, you may not know this, Robert, but I have on our long list of potential show topics to do something with that Brian Jameson connection that you had. And by the way, that reminds me, there's a little aside. We have a Discord group channel. It's under Fun Astrology Discord. The link is in the show notes. Kristen Lawhead manages that, keeps a great conversation going. We have our own old soul, new soul channel in that discord and if you would like us to talk about certain topics and you don't want to leave a message like our listener did here you can also drop it in discord we'd be glad to talk about it as well so if you have some potential show ideas for the future you can either do the speak pipe which is on the fun astrology website or you can do our discord two places you can do that all right now the other thing she asked categorically was planets in each well now obviously we can't do all 12 in both in two signs but i would like to ask about saturn if you see saturn in the ninth saturn in the 12th how do you read that as far as past life connection well you would read it the same way as you would read it if you saw it in the first house in this life so when you have saturn in the first house of past life Basically, it can mean a couple of things. It can indicate uh, a life of hardship, a lifetime of sorrow, a lifetime of failing to develop or manifest the sign that Saturn is in, in that life. And you're saying in the past? In the past. Got it. Or it can alternately indicate a lifetime of a certain amount of power and prestige, Saturn can, in the ninth or the twelfth, a position of authority, for example. 
uh, it depends a lot on Saturn's aspects in that sign. It tells you the the whole story, really. So you got a couple of ways there, and then you you realize that Saturn very often relates to death. So Saturn in the first in the first house of a previous lifetime, Saturn in your twelfth or your ninth natally can indicate a death through whatever Saturn's sign suggests to you. But Saturn often indicates falls. It can indicate death in old age. If it's in a, an early degree of the sign, it can indicate a younger than expected, younger than normal death. And depending on the aspects it may, because where where you have your Saturn, say, trying sextiles and planets, there you've achieved and developed the qualities of those signs involved, where you have hard aspects to it, there's where you suffered. So, for example, Saturn can indicate, Saturn in the ninth, Saturn in the twelfth can indicate losses and sorrows. And you want to know what losses, what sorrows. Well, from the perspective of the ninth house or from the perspective of the twelfth house, look and see what house Saturn, well, Saturn's in the, in the first, look and see what house Saturn rules from the derivative houses that you get when you look through either the 12th or the 9th house. I mean, I'm looking at one right here, a chart, and we have Virgo on the 9th cusp, and Saturn is in Virgo, but in the house right before the 9th. So it's Saturn in that lifetime can indicate death by drowning, for example. And this can mean through pneumonia, and it can mean through floods. And then you begin to read again, read the rest of the chart to see what sort of stories the chart's trying to tell you. And if you are doing it right, um, you will find in the in the client that some of these things that you are seeing will strike an emotional chord with them. You were in, well, I don't know if you were in this workshop, but one of the uh, orary workshops we did at Kepler, a woman was talking about going to, to visit Lisbon, Spain. She was in Germany. She'd lived in Germany her whole life. She'd been to Lisbon once, and she always wanted to go back and stay a while. And it turned out, even in the orary chart, that uh, it indicated that she, had, and I said as much, that she had lived a past life in Lisbon, that she died in a an earthquake and a tsunami and lost everything, lost her family. She was a man in that life, lost her family, lost her children, lost everything. And she was so despondent after that, that ultimately she took her own life by jumping off of a cliff. And this was Saturn in the, in the first house. And I heard her gasp, we all did in this workshop. And I couldn't hear what she had said. And when I asked her to repeat it, she said, I'm overwhelmed. And I said, why? And she said, well, there was an earthquake in Lisbon in 1755, still the largest earthquake on the European continent. And there was a massive tsunami after that. Well, she knew about that. I didn't, but she did. So it did strike a big core. And I said, this chart, this orary chart is not only saying, yes, the trip will be fine, despite the, the COVID restrictions, the trip is fine. But more importantly, you have to make this trip because there's you want to reconnect with this man. And I explore all this a little deeper in, in something I'm working on now, Thomas. So it's fascinating to be able to make these past life 
um, connections, if you will, and and see how they affect this lifetime in in different ways. Okay, I have one other piece of this that I'd like to ask you. So let's think about transits related to this rotation of the ninth, where we make it a derivative first house, the twelfth house, we move it to the first. All right, so you've done that. So you look at that relative to your understanding of your natal chart and also how now these past lives might relate to that. But what about if you added transits on top of that? So you looked at what things were going on right now in your ninth and your twelfth, or even took it one step further to progressions like solar arcs. What would that give you? I love the way your mind works. Fascinating. You know, if, for example, you have transiting Mars, let's say right now transiting Mars is in Gemini. Let's say you have Gemini on your ninth cusp. So you have transiting Mars right now going back and forth, retrograding and then turning direct through Gemini through next, what is it, May? Seven months here. Transiting Mars, which is action in Gemini, which is about bridges and communications and bridging and roads and connections, in your ninth house, which is in this life, travel, legal matters, maybe education, higher education, so on. But figuratively, while Mars is transiting your ninth house, yes, you will be more likely to experience connections and bleed-throughs between this life and a situation in it and a past life. Now, if you want to make yourself aware of that through just simply through astrology, then you can look and see what kinds of aspects is this Mars transiting your ninth house in Gemini making. And you're looking at it from the perspective of this of this past life and what it gives you, Thomas. Seth brings this up in the Seth books. All time is simultaneous. Your past is as open-ended as your future. That contradicts everything that we know. Except on metaphysical levels, it doesn't at all. He is saying, and you can do exercises to validate this, you can change your past just as you change your future from really moment to moment. We're constantly inwardly assessing different probabilities for different choices and different kinds of futures. And some of those choices begin to coagulate and assimilate and become more strong and more strong until they, through our actions and speech and choices and so on, emerge physically into our lives. But they're all under the aegis of your beliefs about yourself and so on. So when you see a transit of Mars through your ninth house, if you have, in this case, Gemini, two trips, if you can make two trips, doesn't have to be a big trip, could be a little one, but probably something that is at least overnight or longer. Those two trips will take you out of your accustomed environment, put you in a new environment where you are more open to things out of the ordinary. That's why the ninth house rules remote, remoteness. Third house rules nearby, routine, things we take for granted. The ninth house are things we don't take for granted. They're far away, either inwardly far away as in past lives or geographically far away. So take trips 
Make, if you wish, a direct attempt to connect with past lives and see what you see. Meditate about past lives. Just tell yourself at night, lying in bed, before you go to sleep. Is there any past life I should know about that has some significance in this life? And see what you see. And be open to it. So, yeah, they abs- and, and, and you can change your past. For example, if that woman who had lost everything in this earthquake in Lisbon, if she were to go back, now, she's German and Catholic today. Lisbon then was an enormous port city, as it turns out. And, of course, the Catholic Church ruled everything. If she were to go back to Lisbon today, while Mars is in her ninth house, let's say, and begins to explore the city and simply stays for a moment in an area that she feels responses toward and in essence blesses it and says, you know, I understand now that I I was appreciated by my family. They did not blame me for not being there to save their lives. This earthquake, by the way, and I, I knew none of this, happened on All Saints Day, and everyone was in church. This man that she was was not in church. She was working, and she was an official in the, in the city who was very responsible for a lot of improvements in sanitation and, and a lot of other things in Lisbon. So if she returns today and goes around that city and begins to connect with her past self and reassure that man that he was loved, that his family did respect him, that they totally understood why he was so involved in his work, helping the city of Lisbon and so on and so forth. It changes the past on an emotional level for her. In other words, that man that she was now gets forgiveness and understanding that he didn't think he got before he took his own life. And in fact, in one probability, her doing that changes that probable reality into a life where he did not take his own life. And those two coexist. I know this sounds really out there, but when you get into the philosophy underlying past life and past life work, and say the philosophy that Seth outlined, you see how this is all... Uh, actually factual where i've done the changing i went back to a past life uh, not a past life but an early event in my life and changed the event and therefore its effects on me from that age 10 going forward just doing the exercise and you only have to do it once really if it's got enough emotional power under it you can feel it basically you're going back in this this instance i was going back to my 10 year old self and hugging him and giving him the love and the reassurance that he was going to be fine that he did not get originally so it changes the whole emotional glandular uh, biochemical memory of the event if you will so it has actual biological physiological effects to do this as strange as that sounds Am I, am I totally making sense or have I totally lost you, Thomas? My jaw is on the desktop here. <laughs> Kristen, get ready for some Discord questions. And Robert, get ready for some more of these SpeakPipe questions on our website because you just left us with some stuff that we're going to have to digest and come back and elaborate on. That was amazing. Thank you. Truly incredible. Well, I would love to come back and keep addressing it again, Thomas, because really you can look at things like even the solar arc sun 
in relationship to turning your chart so the ninth house is on the first cusp you can see what aspects of that former life are now being called into your life through a solar arc aspect that you have you see what i mean so there's a lot to talk about here i'm glad that she brought this up yeah wow what a deep topic and thank you for this we'll leave it here for this one and we will you guys send your questions in put them on the discord put them on the speak pipe we will keep this conversation going because i know for a lot of you this is going to trigger issues, and it's going to trigger things that you are going to want to change. Now, the other way, we can't do personal readings on those questions, so please don't give us my chart dot, dot, dot. That's for readings, and Robert is available. The information on that, as always in these episodes, is in the show notes along with the Discord channel link. These videos are on YouTube as well as the podcasts, so we have a plethora of resources, lots of ways you can reach us. And all of that is at your fingertips in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. We will anxiously continue this conversation in upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening to the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast, and we will see you next time. Mm -hmm.